Good evening, Hampton Roads. You are tuned in to the Family and Marriage Clinic with your host, Bishop Carl Hodges. We say good evening, Bishop. And good evening and praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. All of our listeners in the United States of America, good old U.S. of A, want to welcome you with us this evening. And to all of our listeners in other countries all around the world, I'm just honored to have you here. Welcome everyone to Marriage and Family Clinic. You found us on your radio in Southern Virginia. We're coming to you on WGPL 1350 and WPCE 1400 on your AM dial. And on your FM dial, you can find us at WBXB 100.1. You can also listen to the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And as always, if you want to hear this episode or any other, you can go back to my podcast. Just search the podcast player, iTunes, or that little purple podcast player icon on your smart device. Just search the C.D. Hodges. Search the C.D. Hodges podcast. And you'll find us there. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick in your relationships. And really, we really want to help you get to the place where you're ready to repair, to grow, and even perfect your marriage and family relationships. Well, we've spent the last five weeks talking about teens and teenagerism. (laughs) I'm just calling that period teenagerism. Uh, We've spoken about the history of teens and the fact that teenagers as we know them now, this didn't exist in the early part of last century. We've also spoken about teen dynamics and we've spoken about teen attitudes, teen discipline, and teen coping strategies. And so those are just three parts of the teen experience that you cannot skip around. Those are things about teens that you cannot skip around. Uh, So uh, we just wanted to touch on it a little bit. And as always, we did not exhaust the information. We didn't exhaust the subject. We didn't exhaust the matter. But uh, we definitely hope to give you something to go back and point you in the right direction as far as your research go. Even hope to have given you some pointers to help you in your relationship with your teens. And now, and, and I know when I announced that we would do a mini-series on teens a few weeks ago, I know that subject probably excited some of you, and, and you were looking forward to having many of your questions answered uh, in this mini-series. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we've only been able to scratch the surface of the surface. And uh, we may have missed some of your questions, but I pray that we answered some also. And I'm pretty sure that we said a few things that will correct some inadequate paths that some of us are on and that some folks continue to go down. And I'm sure that we said a few things at least. I know we said a few things at least that will help some of you in some other ways and some other forms or ways of going forward to meet your teen's needs because parents, It is more your responsibility to meet your teen's needs than it is your teen's responsibility to respond uh, to you in the way that you desire. Don't have time for that, but take that and chew on it. I want to reiterate one of the most important things that I think we've covered. And that is, it is important for parents to be who their teen needs them to be in order to help the teen successfully maneuver through the teen years. 
if you get this right and get a couple of other pointers right, I'm guaranteeing you, you can turn your relationship around with your teen. You can turn things around for your teen, whether your teen is an A student and, and performs mission work every weekend and prays every night, you can still turn some things around. Or whether your teen is a juvenile delinquent, you can turn some things around if you remember, if you remember that is ultraly it is ultra important that you be who your team needs you to be in order to help your team successfully maneuver through the teen years. And I'm going to say one or two other things that you can combine with that and really turn your situation around. Because if you don't do that, uh, uh, you can help them maneuver successfully uh, through the teen years, or if if not successfully even, they can maneuver through the teen years with the minimum of chaos as possible. They can come through there with as little chaos as possible. And one thing that will help you, mom and dad, is for you to learn to love your teen. Oh, my goodness. You learn to love your teen in a way they can relate to and understand. You can be the person that you need to be by learning to love your teen in the way that they need to be loved and in the way that they can understand love. And I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. And, uh, and to do this, I want to go back to uh, familiar text. I want to go back to Gary Chapman's five love languages of teenagers. And we're going to deal with that, five love languages of teenagers. So my material tonight is actually coming from Gary Chapman's book. So I won't spend a lot of time quoting, but just know that these ideas are from Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages of Teenagers. And I really hope that that protects me from plagiarizing here. I'm trying to let you know that uh, some of these thoughts are mine tonight. But the gist of this, this format, this form, most of my content is uh, I'm deriving from Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages of Teenagers. All right. So, parents, I'm talking to you directly. Let there be no doubt about it. Your love will be the most important and the most valuable love in your teen's life. And regardless of them seeming to give more loyalty to friends and peers, you know how that goes. Uh, regardless of their attitudes, regardless of your teen's discipline issues, regardless of what you read in the papers or see in the news about teenage subculture, parental love is the most important love in a teenager's life. And learning to love your teen in a way that he or she may understand love will be key to you. Yes, you, mom and dad, that's going to be key to you maintaining influence over your teen and even gaining influence over your teen or restoring influence over your teen because it's never too late. And so we look at the five love languages of teens tonight. I want to present some of the possibilities to you. In a nutshell, in a nutshell, Chapman lists the teens, uh, 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 the five love languages as words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, and gifts. Now, those of you who've been around for a while, those of you who've heard of Gary Chapman and Five Love Languages before, you'll probably notice pretty quickly that the love languages for teens are pretty much the same as the original Five Love Languages. 
And why are they the same? What's different? Because when you have a dominant love language and either and even a recessive or less dominant love language, those stick with you pretty much your whole life. They stick with you pretty much your whole life. So when it comes to the five love languages, words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, and gifts, when it comes to those, you had probably a dominant love language as a child, a dominant love language as an adolescent, a dominant love language as a teen, and you probably have pretty much that same dominant love language as you transition into adulthood. So we can use them just alike. They're the same. So let's briefly discuss them. First of all, there's words of affirmation. In this case, words of affirmation refers to the whole of the type and the style of language that parents use with their teens. We're talking about the whole of your language, the style of your language, your communication style, your communication strategy, your communication plans, the whole of your language that you use with your teens, parents. And when it comes to the manner in which we speak to others, you and I would do well to always remember that words are like seeds. Words are like seeds. And just as natural seeds are planted in the ground, they grow and they bring forth a harvest, so are our words. Our words are planted in the hearts of others. They grow and they bring forth a harvest. So don't be surprised when the words you speak or the names you call your children or the pronouncements you make over their lives seem to come true. If you're going to raise your child calling him a, a, a little knucklehead, no good for nothing, you just like your daddy, then don't be surprised when he grows up to become a knucklehead, good for nothing, just like his daddy. And by the way, that is your opinion. But then by the same token, the converse is true. When you constantly remind your son, your daughter, that you can do anything, you can achieve, nothing can stand in your way, you can be what you want, you can make your dreams come true. When you speak that affirming language to your child consistently throughout their lives, don't be surprised also if your child grows up and becomes what you have pronounced over them. So words are like seeds. And every time we speak a word into the life of our teens, we are planting seeds. And that seed is going to bring forth some sort of fruit. That seed is going to come up in some way, somehow, at some time, and pointing their life. All right? Words of affirmation refers to validating and positive, supportive, self-reflective, non-condemning language that parents use when communicating with their teens. So when we're talking about words of affirmation, we're talking about parents. Parents, you need to learn how to speak validating language, positive, supporting language, language that, that shows that you've been thinking about yourself and the matter that you're talking to your teen about, self-reflective language, non-condemning language. Many parents are really good at language that condemns and judges and puts their teens down. You're good at ridiculing their efforts. They bring home a C, we could have made a B. They bring home a B, well, you could have made an A. They bring home an A, this is what you should have been doing all along. Those are not words of affirmation. Those are not validating, positive, supporting language. 
That language ridicules. It belittles their efforts. And that's what too many parents are good at. Proverbs 16, 24 tells us that wise words are sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pray and learn to speak wisely to your teen. It's sweet to his soul. It'll be health to her bones. Colossians 4 and 6 advises us to speak graciously so we can get the response that we're looking for. Speak graciously so we can help bring the best out of others. You're not bringing the best out of your teen when you run down all of his efforts. Your words are seeds. And I always teach in church that a seed sown must bear fruit. And this goes for your teen. If you want to bring the best out of your teen, learn how to speak words of affirmation. This may be your teen's love language. This may be your teen. For those of you whose teen, their love language is words of affirmation, my goodness, you can't beat it. And all of us need to learn how to speak to our teens, period. But I'm talking about words of affirmation. So whatever is going on with your teen, here's the deal. Take a time out, open up, and offer him or her some honest communication. Wherever you've been having a hard time, let them know. Let them know you've been having a hard time. Son, daughter, listen, it's, it's difficult for me. To deal with such and such. I'm having a hard time. And this is how you get to words of affirmation. First of all it begins with honest communication. Where you have left, lacked knowledge in the area. Where you don't have knowledge in the area. Let your team know. Son I, I just don't know about this area. When you need to learn some things. Let your team know. Don't be so filled with pride that you cannot come down a couple of pegs and apologize if need be. Saying to your daughter, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I messed up. I did wrong. I went wrong. I spoke wrong. Don't be so filled with pride you can't come down and apologize. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've recommended that parents... I recommend that parents work on their leadership because leadership is all about influence. And if you want to gain more influence, become a better leader. I talked to you about leadership, leading your teens. And I suggested to you that the 11 leadership principles as taught by the Marine Corps, uh, uh, that was a good place to start. Why would I make such a recommendation? Because one of those leadership principles says, know yourself and seek self-improvement. And some of us, we cannot speak rightly to our teens or the other love languages for that matter. We cannot speak rightly in words of affirmation to our teens because we don't know ourselves. We haven't been validated ourselves. No one ever spoke words of affirmation to us. No one has affirmed us. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. You need to know yourself, parents, well enough to know when to pull back, how to de-escalate, and ratchet down your bravado. Turn down the volume on your force. Turn it down. 
knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement means, first of all, learning not to treat your teen like he's still a little child. You can't parent your child and your teen the same way. And some of you have already found out it's just not going to work. You will not get the same result when you try to parent your teen and your child the same way. And so I'm saying to you that if you want to speak words of affirmation, it begins with honest communication. If you want to begin with honest communication, you've got to do some self-reflection. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. I want to share a thought with you that's critically important, I believe. And I intend to stress this point strongly. Your team needs you to be the right person for them. You've heard me say it a couple of times already. I told you if you get this point, you'll go a long way to turning that thing around, turning the situation with your teen around. Your teen needs you to be the right person for them. However, if you find yourself unable to speak to your teen in ways that build him up, if you find yourself having a difficult time, a very difficult time speaking to your teen in ways that build her up, and if you can't help but always point out her negative flaws, point out his negative flaws, then the indicator there is that there's something wrong in your heart. Your teen may be presenting challenges, but the indicator is that there is something wrong in your heart. Jesus said the mouth speaks what flows from the heart. The content of your heart bleeds over into your speech. Your mannerisms, your nonverbal cues, that's all communication. And the contents of your heart bleeds over into your communication. So if you're always putting your teen down, that's because there's something wrong in your heart. Go back to that leadership principle. Get a hold to yourself. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. In short, words of affirmation means sharing words of praise. Now, when I say sharing words of praise, that means genuine, sincere, authentic recognition of their specific accomplishments. You got to be genuine, sincere, and authentic in your recognition of their specific accomplishment. You know, when your child is two and three years old, you can get away with saying, awesome, you're so awesome. But when your child is 14, 15, and 16, you try that, you're going to get laughed at, you're going to turn them off, you're going to turn them against you. You're going to repel them and not attract them. Your praise has to be genuine, sincere, authentic, and you need to recognize their accomplishments. Chapman points out the unfruitfulness of general statements like, you did a good job cleaning your room. No, no, specifically, what was good about cleaning the room? Replace that with genuine specific praise. More like you did a good job cleaning that stain in the carpet. Or thanks for putting the dirty clothes in the hamper. That was great. That helped me a lot. Not just thanks for helping around the house. Thanks for being there. Be specific. Be genuine. Be authentic. Be sincere in your praise of specific things. And I don't care what's going on with your teen. You can find something to praise them for during the day. 
You can find something. You know, for all of us in all of our relationships, it's always easier to criticize than to compliment. When it comes around, even on your job, when you do a good job, the boss, the supervisor says, uh, uh, especially in the military, I remember this, they would say, well, that's what you're supposed to do. But when you mess up, they act like chicken, chicken little and the sky is falling. It's always easier to criticize. But your team needs that praise. And that's what words of affirmation are all about. Chapman also points out that when you can't praise results, praise efforts. Man, how simple is that? When you can't praise results, praise efforts. Parents should not expect their teens to have the same outcomes in their efforts as parents. You know how to clean the house. You've been cleaning the house all of your life. They're just starting. They've only been doing it for a relatively short amount of time. Don't expect them to clean and get the same cleaning results that you do when you clean. You know what it takes to grow grass. And my goodness, since I've been living in Virginia, I never knew people got into grass like this. Oh, my goodness. But you know what it takes to take care of grass. You cut the grass a certain height. But when your teen cut it, he cut it a lot lower. Much to your dislike. But listen, moderate your tone and try recognize that he still did better than the last time. Try praising the effort even if you cannot praise the results. At least you're getting better at cutting grass. Use words of affirmation and affection to reach to connect with and to meet your team's needs. And then affirm your team publicly. Wow. Affirm your team publicly. I was watching an episode of, uh, of uh, Blackish. And uh, I don't like that show very much. But I was watching one episode of Blackish a couple of years ago. And the, uh, the guy who works with uh, Dre at the ad agency brought his son over to Dre's house. And uh, he said, this is my son, Worthless. He's not worth much. He's not going to accomplish much. He's not going to do much. Can you imagine that every time this man opened his mouth and the word came out, his son's spirit was broken just a little bit more? His son's soul was injured just a little bit more? To hear your father run you down and talk to you like you're nothing in public? It's enough to deal with at home, but to do it in public? Well, can you imagine the converse or the opposite? What would that child feel like if his dad were praising him in public? This is my son, whatever his name is, Tom, Jerry, Bill, John. This is my son. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's on his way somewhere. He's going to do something. He helps me. He's a chip off the old block. This is my son. That's what God did for Jesus. Spoke of him well in public. He did? Oh, yes, he did. God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Words of affirmation. Wow. Listen, teen, I want to move on here. We don't have much time here. But I want to talk about another teen love language, and that's physical touch. That was words of affirmation. I spent too much time on that. So I'm going to have to come back to this another week. I wanted this to be the last night I dealt with teenagers. But we're going to have to come back and finish these love languages. Let's get into physical touch right quick. That was words of affirmation. Studies say that infants thrive on touch. I just had a new grandbaby born this week. I'm going to visit my grandbaby too. 
uh, uh, and I told my son and my daughter-in-law, in those first couple of months of life, you cannot hold that baby too much. After those first couple of months, though, you be careful. But those first couple of months, you cannot hold that baby too much because infants thrive off of touch. I read an article that said physical touch is the first of the senses to develop in the human infant. And it remains perhaps the most emotionally central throughout our lives. You know, during this pandemic, we've greatly reduced physical touching. We're not hugging in church. We're not hugging when we see each other uh, at the grocery store or wherever. We're not shaking hands. You know, a few months ago, I met a person for the first time on my job, stuck my hand out. It was just instinct. And they almost had a heart attack. No, I don't shake. I'm not touching anybody. You know, so I keep wondering what would be the long-term impact on the quality of our relationships because we're not touching each other. And most of us use touch and experience touch as an affirming action in our relationships. You know, I thought about that and I said, man, when Mary first saw Jesus after he was resurrected, once she recognized him, her very next thought was, I got to touch him. When we want to say, I'm sorry, we touch. When we want to say, I love you and I care, we touch. Nothing soothes like a hug. Now for your teens, this is true. This is true. You just have to be very careful of when and where you express physical touch with your teen. Hug your teen in public or in front of their friends, <laughs> you may very well make a temporary enemy. It'll be temporary, but you're going to make an enemy. I want to look at the time and the place of touch just a little bit as we move on here. As you study your teen, study your teen now. You can learn a lot about his or her moods. Are they up or down? Are they up in the morning and down in the evening or vice versa? You know, if you hug your teen when they're in one of their moods, their down moods especially, it could go either way most likely you're going to get rejected. And if they pull away, you know it's not time to touch them. Don't make them tell you twice. Learn from that encounter. Learn their body language because that will tell you a lot about the timing. And then put your learning to use. Put your learning into action and go and grow with your team. So when is the right time to touch? I'm glad you asked that question. Major accomplishments. Touch. Winning in athletic or other types of competition, touch them. Successful performances, good grades, touch them. And so many other great recognizable moments that occur in life. That's the time to touch. Basically, any achievement is probably a good time for physical touch. In that moment, when your team makes a significant achievement, a hug, a pat on the back, a high five says that you matter, I recognize you, and this is a notable moment. I recognize you. You should consider the converse also. If you fail to extend some physical display of affection during those moments, you will miss out on an opportunity to make a significant emotional impact on your team. And that may cost you dearly later on. Let me say that. I want you to hear that. That's important. If you fail to extend some physical display of affection during those significant moments, 
If you don't give them some touch in those meaningful moments, you will miss out on an opportunity to make a significant emotional impact on your team, and that could cost you dearly in the future. You know, teens have a strong need to sense that they are loved, and nothing says I love you like physical touch. But the love language of physical touch must be spoken in the right way, in the right place, at the right time. Now, I'm dealing with the five love languages of teens because your teen desperately needs love, needs to be loved, needs to feel loved. If there is anything that will make the difference in the life of a teenager, it's love. In all of our lives, it's love. And the most important love is parental love. So mom and dad, if you want to make a long-lasting, life-impacting, mind-changing difference in your teen's life, then learn how to love them. Learn how to be the person they need you to be. And remember these five love languages. It'll go a long way. I'm telling you, if you work on yourself and work on becoming who your teen needs you to be, if you put these five love languages into action, I'm telling you, you can turn your situation around. Now, we only dealt slightly with two of these love languages tonight. We dealt with words of affirmation and physical touch. Uh, come on back next week because we've got to deal with the other three. And I'm going to try my best to get done with them, the other three, and wind up this uh, uh, mini-series on teenagers. Hey, listen, I'm out of time tonight, but I certainly appreciate you joining with us. I really appreciate you being here. And remember, if you want to hear this or any other segment or episode, just search the C.D. Hodges. Go to iTunes, a iTunes podcast player, and search the C.D. Hodges podcast. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic there. Listen, email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know if I'm doing you any good. Let me know if I'm making any progress here. Let me know if I'm wasting time, whatever the case may be. But listen, I just need to hear from you. We're out of time and I got to get out of here. But remember, you cannot have peace without surrendering to your, your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out. You've been tuned in to the Family and Marriage Clinic with your host, Bishop Carl Hodges. You can tune in every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on your station for praise. WGPL 1350.